Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of True Story Tent, where we share true personal stories from the Middle East. I'm your host, Abdullah Al Ma'wali. Um, so, um, I don't know where to start. So it started. Uh, so we entered, and it's the worst and the dumbest thing I've ever decided to do. I don't know. I mean, and that was kind of like the hammer on the nail. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> In this episode, we talked to Fatma Mekki. She shared a story in one of our gatherings in Masqat of a challenging adventure that she went on just a few years ago. Hello? Hey. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you? You shared a story uh, of a trip that you took to a country that is uh, known to be quite dangerous uh, <laughs> because of its political situation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. First of all, let's play a bit of that, the story that you shared, and then we'll come back and talk about the rest. Okay. First of all, I uh, want to apologize for my appearance. If I have any stains or anything, I want to blame that on being a newborn mom, but actually, uh, I've always been a slob. <laughs> okay. So I want to tell you guys about an adventure that I took. It was uh, 2014. I had just moved to Dubai. I had been there for a few months when a really good friend of mine told me about a trip that she was going to be taking with some friends to, well, not really friends, more like people she doesn't really know, but they were going somewhere she liked, so she wanted to go with them, um, to the island of Sukhatra in Yemen. So just a quick show of hands. I don't know how many people know where Sukhatra is. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, Sukhatra is a Yemeni island which is actually closer to um, Somalia than it is to Yemen. It's one of the most isolated places on the planet and it has one of the most unique ecosystems in the world. About a third of its ecosystem is completely unique to that island. So it's the, And I had seen an article with photographs from the National Geographic many years before and ever since I saw that article and those pictures, those breathtaking photos, I knew that I needed to go and see this place. So I didn't think I would actually have the chance to do this, but uh, fast forward a few years later, and uh, this opportunity came up, and I just felt like I had to do it. Uh, not everyone was thrilled with, uh, with my choice to do this, because it, uh, I don't, I'm sure you guys remember that in 2014, Yemen was just on the brink of war. So it wasn't really a safe place to be going uh, in a group or alone or whatever. So my father wasn't too thrilled. So I decided I was going to do some research and see how safe is it really to go to Sukhatra. I mean, the island is so isolated that I didn't think it would actually be risky. But I thought I'd just be safe. So I found, um, through Twitter, I found journalists who actually been there and who were in, based in Yemen. And I asked them you know, is it safe to, be, to go there? And they said, yeah, it's totally fine. I found people who had actually traveled there very recently, and one person in particular, um, he's actually a social media personality. His name is uh, Max of Arabia. I don't know if anyone knows him. He'd been there many times, and he highly recommended it. He even gave me some pointers on what to do when I got there. So I felt that was safe, but when I told my dad, he was like, "That's not. these are not official sources, you know. I don't trust these sources. So, okay, I called the Armani Embassy in Sana'a and uh, they didn't pick up, so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, called, I decided to be even more sure, you know, do my due diligence, and uh, called uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs here, and was like, guys, why is there no one picking up 
the embassy in Sana'a, you know, and they were like, it was evacuated months ago. It's not safe for anyone there. And I said, okay, but I mean, is it safe for me to go to Sukatra? And they were, he was like, I don't know who this guy was. He was some official at the ministry. And he was like, yeah, binti, why do you want to go to Sukatra? Just go to Switzerland, you know? <laughs> I was like, okay, this is no longer useful. Okay. Um, but my real uh, measure of what is safe or not safe for me is my mother's instinct. Uh, so I called her and I told her I was, I was going. And normally she's kind of the kind of person who would be afraid for me just going down the street, you know? So when I told her, her only reaction was, oh, get me some honey. Okay, I was like, okay. So if she is okay with me going, she doesn't have this instinct of hers telling me that, you know, it's not safe, then I think it's okay. I meet up with, oh, and by the way, the friend that I was going with, at the very last second, she had to back out because uh, of some family health issues. So I was actually going with a group of complete strangers that I had barely ever met before. So I got to the airport in Sharjah and I met this group of people that I had never met before. <laughs> we flew to Makalla in uh, Hadramaut, which is on the mainland. And that was actually the most, the riskiest part of my trip because uh, it was on the mainland and we're not sure how safe it is there. Then we flew over to Sukatra in the tiniest plane ever. And uh, when we arrived, we spent some time swimming in a wadi. It was beautiful, really. I mean, it's still a beautiful place. You know, we swam in the wadi, took some nice photos and went to sleep early uh, to get ready for the next day. Our, our whole trip around Sukatra was just going to be all kinds of adventure, hiking type of things. And I felt comfortable going because the leader of our group, Piotr, a uh, Polish shipping broker or something, he, um, <laughs> he told me that uh, this was geared towards beginners to intermediate hikers. So I was a total beginner, so I thought, okay, I can do it. I just, you just have, the, have to have the will to do it. So we began our day at 6 a.m. the next day, our first full day on the island. It was fine, 6 a.m. we woke up, we had breakfast, and we started our trek. And it was fine, uh, a, bit, a bit rigorous. We, we did stop and take some nice photos of the beautiful nature and all that. And then we hit some water. And that's when things started to go wrong. Because what we didn't know was it had rained um, a couple of days maybe or up to a week before and it was a pretty heavy rain and which wasn't anticipated and which our tour guide and the, like the person who organized our trip didn't take into account um, <clears throat> that it hadn't dried up in time so what was essentially intended to be uh, a three-hour hike ended up turning into more of a um, 16-hour <laughs> trek. We thought the threat was all going to be like the political situation. We hadn't completely not taken into account the actual dangerous nature of the, the wilderness of, uh, you know, and the climate of uh, this island, Sopatra. And then it got dark. <laughs> That's when the weird and crazy thoughts started to get into my head because I figured, I, I kind of had a, uh, first of all, the exhaustion was starting to get to me. Second of all, I kind of, we took a break and in that break, I, I had a moment where I thought, I, I, it wasn't exactly an out of body experience, but it was more like I, I saw myself where I was and what I was doing and how far away, completely far away I was from everybody and everything I ever knew. 
you know, it's funny. I think no matter where you are, as soon as it starts to get dark, you can be as brave as you want when it's daylight. But once it starts to get dark, and I'm not talking about just normal nighttime. This is a place that is so remote, uh, this island. There are no street lights, there are no house lights, there are no car lights. We were literally in the middle of nowhere, in the most real way you can imagine, you know? Very few people knew exactly where we, where we were, and it was completely pitch black. Um, we had a little bit, the only light we had guiding us was the moon, and I never appreciated moonlight as much as I ever, ever in my life. Yeah, like the things that you never even think about, you know, you start to like really cling to them because when you, when you can't see anything, you just hold on to anything. And for me, I was just uh, waiting for the clouds to pass away from the moon so I could shine some light on what was in front of me because I had no idea what was going on. I wish I could tell you this was one of those like, uh, what's that 174 hours kind of thing where I was like really strong and chewed off my arm or whatever. No, that didn't happen. I, I collapsed on the floor and I was like, just let me die. And completely like unself-conscious about like, I didn't care how I looked, how, I f how anyone perceived of me, you know? And um, Martin. He was one of the guys on our, on our trip with us. He was an Austrian guy, very cool guy. He had uh, lost the use of his uh, right arm a couple of years back in a, in a motorcycle accident. So it was pretty inspiring to see him in action because he just, uh, made do with what he had, you know, and he, 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 he just found ways to overcome his, um, uh, his, the fact that he did, wasn't able to use both his arms, you know, which is for other people would be considered a pretty big setback yeah. in a situation like this, but he just took it in stride and it was amazing. And he came up to me and he was like, Fatima, don't worry, you're going to be fine. You know, and he started encouraging me and giving me like comfort and sort of calming me down. And he gave me some of his, um, he had these uh, like uh, gel electrolytes. I don't know what they're called, but they're like like energy gels. Energy energy gel thingies. Um, and he had a couple of those, and he was like rationing them out. He gave me one of them, and I just felt so bad that um, I was completely physically capable of going on this trip, and I was being comforted by someone who had to actually overcome a very a significant disability. To, to go on this very same trip and he wasn't complaining not even one bit he in fact was encouraging me so i kind of just sucked it up <laughs> no but I, I didn't suck it up i was still sobbing the whole way uh, really ungraciously <laughs> and um, we finally made it to the other end by the time we got to the other end the local guides uh, were there to greet us and when i saw them and i saw the jeep waiting for us at the other end, I, uh, I, I collapsed again. I was like, okay, I, I don't need to move anymore. I, I can see it, I'm fine. They actually carried me all the way to the end. Uh, and we collapsed right there. We opened our sleeping bags. We didn't wait to go to our campsite. We just opened our sleeping bags right there. We camped out, we fell asleep immediately at 2 a.m. So we started at eight o'clock in the morning that day and we finished at two o'clock in the morning the next day. So it was about a can't do math right now it's 16 18 hours I don't know <laughs> yeah we woke up the next day and I had never been so grateful to be alive uh, I don't know if anyone's ever had something like this happen to them but you see life in technicolor you know the next day you just appreciate everything everything like even the bad things like the Sun burning your skin or everything just because you can feel it 
And I kind of understood why these people are all adventure junkies, the guys that were on the trip with me. I mean, I wanted an adventure, and I definitely got it. And I learned that, you know, the, the adventure might not be pretty, but it will be beautiful. So, thank you. <laughs> Um, how long has it been since uh, the trip? It's been four years now. Sounds like you went through hell uh, in that trip. But <laughs> and uh, but knowing what you know now, with uh, with the barriers that were set there, w would yeah. you have gone again? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy, but uh, yeah, why? I I think it's important to go through things like this. I know it sounds crazy to put yourself in a it's not exactly putting yourself in harm's way because the truth is I could, I'm sitting, you know, in a cafe in, right next to my house and I could be in the safest place in my mind. I could be in a very safe place, you know, in a suburban setting uh, with safety and police everywhere, you know, guarding us, keeping us safe. But I could still something bad could happen to me right here, right now, you know. So I, so when people say don't, you know, go on adventures like this because you could get hurt. Well, the truth is harm will come to you anyway. I'm not saying be reckless and totally reckless, but you can't limit yourself from taking these types of going on these types of adventures because of the fear that something might happen because something will always happen, whether you're in a safe environment or an unsafe environment. And it's good to test yourself to see how you can react. Um, and I think, Uh, yeah, I would definitely do it again. Uh, you said at the end of your talk that it might not be pretty, but it will be beautiful. Could you just elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, in every way it wasn't pretty. I wasn't reacting very nicely in the beginning. I, I was falling apart and uh, um, and not handling things well. I, I didn't look good. I was like sweating all like crazy. My face was pale and at the same time getting burnt which is a very odd <laughs> thing to happen. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was just a complete wreck. I was covered in sand and mud and I had blisters on my feet. It wasn't a pretty situation. And the outlook was dire as well. It wasn't looking pretty for us. But um, uh, the fact that we were able to team up together and support each other through it, you know, like when I was weak, someone else helped me up and carried me. When someone else was not doing well, I helped them, you know, when the person uh, who, uh, she fell and broke her arm, she injured her arm, we got together and helped her, you know, splinter her arm. That's beautiful. You know, we, uh, uh, 24 hours before that, we, none of us knew each other, barely knew each other. And then we were going after, you know, in this moment, we're going through this very intense experience and we're somehow banding together and making it work. And finally, uh, waking up the next day and just the sheer gratitude for, of being alive and having uh, uh, endured something difficult um, and come out the other side stronger, that's the most beautiful thing, I think. I called the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Oman to find out if it's still safe to visit Sokotra 
I called several times on different days, but they never picked up. To stay up to date with upcoming gatherings, follow us on Instagram at True Story Tent. This episode is produced by me, Abdullah Al-Ma'wali. You can find me on Instagram at Wandering Brown Guy. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next week. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. All right. No problem.